This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello, this is Ian Lee. Well done, you. you. You win a prize. The prize is you now own this podcast for as long as you want it. You can't sell it on. You can't give it away. But it's yours to keep in your pocket or indeed on your computer. It's the best bits of my uh, daily morning show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we've had quite a bit of uh, serious bits and pieces this week. We uh, spoke to a gentleman called Roger Bailey. He's hoping that the story of his life will fund his own death. He's dying of cancer and he wants to go out on his own terms. He's hoping the money raised from uh, his autobiography he's written will go towards his trip to Dignitas. I've always felt there was a book in me at some stage, um, but I felt when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2011, it's sort of a a now and ever thing um, because uh, according to NHS figures, uh, 47% of people with prostate cancer die within five years. Um, and I turned down the, 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 I was given the opportunity to have the prostate removed, but I turned that down because at the time um, there was a one in five chance of becoming incontinent as a result of that operation, and I just didn't fancy that at all. Well, of course, subsequently, after I had the tumour, I've experienced that, so that's a bit ironic in some ways. But I'd just like to say, um, I just caught the tail end of your your last contributor, uh, and I thought that was absolutely spot on. Um, I had to watch my mother suffer in a nursing home for six years. And, uh, in fact, she had said many, many years ago um, that, uh, please don't let them give me life support. When the time comes, I want to go. Um, and in fact, I think I can seem to remember right from the age of about 45, she was a member of one of the sort of euthanasia organizations that um, was in the UK at the time. Uh, but I don't know a lot about that because I, I was you know, obviously quite young at the time. What condition are you in now, Roger? How are you feeling and how does this cancer affect you? Well, the cancer has actually um, uh, sort of not gone into remission, but it has stabilized itself not from the uh, medical treatment, but from having Chinese green tea, which uh, a number of my business colleagues recommended, and it's worked for them, and and it's stabilised me. Uh, My biggest problem is having the shock of that, um, finding that tumour in in my spine and the damage it's done to my nervous system. How how has your nervous system been damaged? I mean, does it affect? Can you? Does it affect your limbs? Does it affect your mobility? Oh, crikey, yes. You know, I I I I have to walk with a stick. Um, Some days, the best I can walk is about fifty yards, Um, and I'm in constant pain from the damaged nerves all the time. I mean. Last night was a particularly bad night. I had about three hours sleep I, 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 between about 3.15 and 6.15. Um, and what are they giving for, you, for that? Have you got morphine, tramadol? What's happening? Well, no, I've, I've tried gabapentine, um, and that is a nightmare because when you look at the side effects, and I was getting those terribly, um, I, I came off that within two weeks. Amitriptyline was also tried, but you end up being a zombie till about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I decided at the time, right, I'll put up with the pain. But unfortunately, and, and this was probably somewhere in the region nine months ago, but unfortunately, as the months have gone on, the pain seems to have got worse. So uh, you're not saying, let me get this right, Roger, you're not saying you want to die now? Um, or are there you? There are many days when I, if I had the plane ticket, I'd be on the plane. Do you want to die today? Um, difficult. Um, as I say, there are many days when you do. Um, it's not as simple as dying today because it, I know that you have to go through quite a long procedure with Dignitas, so that is not an option. Um, the so reason I, I ask, prepare myself for the that. reason I ask, Roger, is because there are some people uh, listening, or we may have even spoke to one of these people earlier on, who say this comes and goes. And if you're saying there are some days you want to die, and I, I'm, I'm picking up by implication some days when you don't want to die, then that could be used as an argument against assisted suicide. Yes, I, I, I agree. It is. It is a big decision to make. 
Um, uh, but I have been consistent in um, wanting to do it um, for probably a couple of years now because, you know, people say it's a shock when you get um, diagnosed with cancer, and I think on reflection I would, I would agree with that. Um, and you have to decide how you're going to cope with it. And, and that was the way, even way back in 2011, I was, that's when I first started uh, getting involved with Dignitas and, and, and going through the, the procedures and, and getting in contact with them. Um, but of course, like everything, um, first and foremost, you've got to have the money. How much does it cost? About £20,000. Oh, blimey, really? Yeah, oh, yes, it's about 13000 oh, for the services of the clinic. Um, you then have to reply, uh, supply a lot of medical reports, which obviously, you know, that has to be paid for. You, you can't expect the National Health Service to, to start writing reports, so you have to pay for those reports. Uh, and then you have to have the funeral in Switzerland, because if the body is returned, whoever's bringing the body back um, could um, be prosecuted for, um, you know, assisting... Uh, suicide. Lots uh, of lots of strong, loud voices, Roger, saying, no, you don't have the right to do this. You do not have the right to decide when you will die. What's your response to them? Well, I, I think everybody has the right to make their own decisions about life. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd go back to what your contributor said, um, that I just heard the tail end of that interview, that, you know, she's watching people in nursing homes who have an appalling quality of life. Um, and uh, you know, every week we're reading newspaper articles about. Um, I mean, there was one in the Telegraph in December where uh, they were saying a thousand people die from thirst because they're just being left dehydrated. I mean, that's an appalling situation. Uh, I mean, there's another article in the Times which lies put at risk by nurses who can't use drips. And I, you know, with with the hospitalisations that I've had, uh, just immediately after the, the, the tumour is removed and subsequently because I've had to have various other operations because of the incontinence, I've had to have a, a, a stoma colostomy and a superpubic catheter and it's all extremely uncomfortable and I get infections regularly. For example, I've had two infections which have needed antibiotic treatment since Christmas mm. and this just is a, 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 an ongoing repetitive situation. Now, at the moment, I'm clear of infections, but, you know, I keep looking over my shoulder. When's the next one starting? You, you, know, you sound tired on. of it, Roger. You sound I tired. Am, I, I am very, very tired, mm. being in constant pain in my left leg particularly. I mean, I got three hours sleep last night, um, and um, because the antibiotics aren't working very well, um, I, I've been told by one of the clinics to uh, have eight paracetamol a day which I'm doing in an attempt to try and rebuild my immune system. Um, Roger, listen, uh, th th what's, what's the book and where can people get it? Well, the book is called If Only I Knew Then, because, yes, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but somebody said on the television interview a little while ago, if you haven't made mistakes, you haven't lived. Um, and um, its subtitle is Women, Their Part in My Downfall, and it can be got from uh, either Amazon as, a, as, an, on, as a, an electronic book or from www.rogerbailey.org as a printed copy, which I will sign at the same time. Roger, I really appreciate your time and your honesty, and it would be great if we could keep in touch and, and, and yeah. just see how your story progresses yeah. and what decisions you make. Fine. Would okay. that be OK? Yeah, lovely, Ian. Roger, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. There Bye-bye now. There we go. Now, uh, chatting to Roger was, uh, was uh, quite moving, I found. It also prompted Matt to call in. Now, Matt's a regular caller. He used to hate me about a year ago. He used to phone up and have a right old whinge. I think I'm winning him round. Anyway, this week he called up to uh, tell us what was happening with his wife, Margaret. Margaret has got Alzheimer's, uh, lives in a care home and has been very, very ill. Uh, I'll be honest, this is uh, one of the most moving calls I've ever taken. We had a bad time yesterday and we went, Paul came down from London to see his mum. We went for a meal over the Leicester Arms and then we went to see, he he popped across to see mum and he said, Dad, I'll, uh, I'll see you in a minute. And then suddenly he phoned me, Dad, you better get over here quick, she's had a real bad turn. And she's back, Margaret's back in the home at the moment. Back in the home, she came out of the hospital yep. last Friday. Okay. Um, and uh, now they've, they've, 
they've come to the conclusion that she she doesn't go into the hospital anymore. They will do everything at the home to to help her. And uh, she was really bad. She went grey, completely grey. I thought she was going to die. And it was on that stage, and he 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 couldn't realise. He, he it really hit him bad. Yeah. And we had paramedics come, and he gave her uh, air, like gave her the, uh, the what they put on the mask on. The oxygen And, and she got a bit. Of, she got a colour back, but the wheezing and the noise. Uh, her, she got fluid on the lungs, and they've got to try and control this fluid on the lungs. And he's he's then he's saying, uh, I think she should go to the hospital. And then he he's reading all the notes, and he's saying, the doctors have already said that. If she comes to the hospital, then she's got to go back, and it's too much pressure on her moving her about. And we had we, the answer was in there. It was in your head. It's been in our head for months and months. We know what's coming, and we wish it would happen sooner than later. And he was really the doctor phoned up, and he gave her antibiotics, and we had to give her. Uh, antibiotics by him out, and uh, she had a fairly good night last night. But they then had to prop her up because she mustn't lie down because of the fluid on the lungs. It will choke her. And I'm thinking, of course, then I had to go home and I phoned the girls and, you know, Dad, when is it all going to end? And I said, Well, I wish it would end soon. And that, that. It comes over you again, and you're getting it down in a hole, and you think you're never going to get out. But you know it's going to happen, but you want it to happen, but you're scared when it happens. And I'm a Catholic. <clears throat> I shouldn't think like this. But uh, when you're going through it, Ian, you know yourself, your yeah. mum's like, she's disabled. But when you see her, as the guy said before, when you go in there and you see all these people, and they're just existing. It's it's cool. cool. It sounds like Matt, and I hope you don't think I'm uh, crossing the line here. It sounds like you've accepted. Oh, well, there's I not long to go. Years ago, yeah. Years there's ago. not long to go. Yeah. Do you think that you said you got your son, and you got daughters as well? Three daughters. Yeah. Do you think they've accepted that the yeah, end is I have, coming? Because I had the phone Claire. She's in Ireland. She's coming over this weekend. She'd already booked up to come over. Oh, Dad, I'm so pleased I booked up the same man this weekend. It'd be, as she said, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I hadn't come over this weekend. And she said, Dad, it's, and she's really religious. I mean, she's the only one in the family that's kept the religion up, you know. But it, it, it's it's not the religion thing about it. It's the dignity. But you see, Margaret, when a dementia, they don't know. Everything is relying on us. They don't know, Ian. If you got, like, your mum's got MS. My son-in-law had, mum, had MS, and she had all the faculties. She can lay, make a decision for herself. When you've got to make the decision for your loved one, it's damn hard, Ian. And the guilt, the guilt hits you like a hammer, you know? Am I doing the right thing? I am for me, but am I doing it right for her? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, Matt. You've got, I've got tears in my eyes listening to you because you're reminding me of my mum and you're reminding me of my dad and it's a horrible situation to be in and you're doing exactly the right thing and you and know that. this morning, Julie, for, I phoned Julie to say I was on the radio and her son suffers with epileptic heat. Dad, Julie said, Dad, Richie's just had a fit before he walked out the door. Now, it brings it all back. Everything I say... She's got her own problems. We've all got problems. Everybody's got problems. It's how you cope with them. And you must keep the faith, as they say. You must keep the faith in yourself and your family. Matt, would it be... I'm trying to find the right word, and there isn't a right word. Um, Let's go with better, shall we? That's probably the best of a bad bunch. Would it be better for Margaret if she passed over? Yes, well, I'm hoping that. I was hoping that yesterday, Ian. And so I'm, I'm sure Paul was thinking the same thing. He's sitting by the bed and he, he's crying. I, I said, Paul, come on, you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong for me, I said. 
He says, well, I'm not as strong as you, Dad. Um, I'll be, I've done it for seven years. Uh, but it, I seem to get stronger. I seem to get, and I know that's my fate. You know, I've got a church now, but I know it's my fate to keep going. Uh, there's a series, something that they said, at the end of the series, they say, keep the faith. I love that saying. Keep the faith. Not everybody thinks that assisted suicide is a good idea. We had one guest who is dead against it. She comes from a, a Christian background. And, uh, well, I think I may have offended her. Have a listen. Well, Andrea Williams is from Christian Concern. Uh, Andrea, have you got any sympathy for Roger's situation? He's, uh, he's got cancer, he's suffering, he's in pain, he wants to die. Why shouldn't he be allowed to take his own life? Um, of course I have sympathy for... Um, anyone who um, is suffering a difficult illness and is coming to terms with uh, the with um, pain, with uh, the prospect of death. But actually the answer in that situation is care and not killing. It's the council of despair to have, in a sense, this, this notion, this idea that, to, to, that, that, that ending our life will, will end our misery. When in fact we know um, that we, here in the United Kingdom we have the best palliative care amongst the best palliative care in the world. And that's something that we really need to continue to develop and to promote. And we know that no one needs to be in terrible pain. And when the psychological and spiritual and physical symptoms of a person are met at this sort of difficult time, then very often people go on to have uh, a good and a natural death. But you see, hard cases make bad law. Have you seen someone dying from cancer? I myself have, uh, in, have um, had had cancer. Have you seen someone dying um, from cancer? Yes, I have. My sister-in-law it's had horrible, cancer isn't it? at the same time as me. She, um, it, it's, it's horrible, it, isn't it? It's dehumanising. Oh, no. It, it actually, the, the whole point about suffering is that it very often brings out what it is. What? Uh, the, what? Human sp- the human spirit. No. And when my sister-in-law, when my sister-in-law, who had ovarian cancer, was at the very uh, end of her life, she... she um, she was in her, she was um, at home. She'd been beautifully looked after by the Macmillan nurses. She had her children and her loved ones around her. And actually, she showed us, she showed us in her last months of death, last months of life, not just how to live, but also how to die well. She was very lucky. My, my dad died of uh, pancreatic cancer last year. And uh, he was in a lot of pain. For the last couple of months of his life, he was in a lot of pain. So was my sister-in-law, yes. Okay. Hard. He was in a lot of pain. His death was... His last few months were humiliating for him. He suffered. He was miserable. And if he had said to me, Ian, get, can you get me on a plane to Switzerland? I would have taken him without a shadow of a doubt. It was degrading for him. He was humiliated and he was in pain. Now, he chose to go through it towards the end. He didn't know what he was doing because he was on so much morphine. But... How is that fair? How is that fair? If someone is suffering like that, why shouldn't they say, look, I'm going in a couple of months anyway, I might as well go a bit earlier? I'm, I'm very sorry, Ian, that your father had to endure such a difficult time at the end of his death, but I know um, certainly from the cancer care that, um, up and down the country, and perhaps you should speak to some of the specialists, that, that it's absolutely um, a, a magnificent service to help people like your father uh, at the end of at the end of their life, and actually, where's the magnificence, and actually, and, and, and Andrea? Where's the magnificence in having to have his two sons lift him up and put him on a commode and wipe his bottom? Where's I, where's, I the, where's the, the service, dignity there? I said, I said that the can, that the cancer services are magnificent. But but why should and someone actually, have to live like that? And actually, you see, the thing the thing the thing is this the thing is this. What we need to do is we need to protect people from feeling that they are a burden and that they ought to go sooner than they otherwise should. We yeah, but that's not, Andrew, no, you're a, twisting a, the a, argument. A, I'm not going to allow you to do that. A, I'm not going to allow you to do that because you are saying at no point did he feel he was a burden. He didn't feel he was a burden and I'm not going to let you twist I'm it like say, that. I'm not saying, Ian, that your father... Well, no, but you're, you're implying that people... Let me make this point, Andrew, mm. because you're implying people feel like a burden. What about those people that don't feel like a burden but they find it humiliating, they find it painful, they find it degrading? What about those people? Um, certainly, there are um, the, the, those the palliative care consultants, so cons- consultant doctors who deal with people at the end of life, say that requests for um, assisted suicide are extraordinarily rare. 
something like 2%. So, but and why when, should that 2% those, be ignored? And when those people, and when those people are um, properly looked after, and they often, that sort of request comes at a moment of depression and a moment of difficulty, but when they're looked after and when they're given proper care, that request subsides. And actually, that's what we need to be doing. They won't be asking the doctor, though, will they? They'll be asking their family. They're not going to say to the doctor, could you kill me? They'll be asking their family. They'll be well, talking to their exactly. family about it. They, 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 um, they, 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 they talk, who's going to kill them? If, if, if it were legalised, then it's going to be... We're going to be turning to I'll the... i tell you what, if my, dad, if my dad had said, in, in the clarity of... Um, not being on drugs, and they tried to lower his drugs and it was too painful. If, if in the clarity he said, look, Ian, can you just hold a pillow over my face? Do you know what, Andrea? I would have done it because I did not want to see my dad suffering. He was suffering physically. He was suffering emotionally. He had no dignity. He felt awful. He was in so much pain, despite all the drugs they were pumping into him. He, they pumped the drugs in, he'd throw up. He was in so much pain. It was, you wouldn't, you wouldn't let a, you wouldn't let a dog die like that, Andrew. And, and, and I know that many people. You wouldn't let a dog me, die like that. I had, I myself been through a quite extreme chemotherapy, and my sister-in-law um, died um, in, in, in front of me. So I, so I, I know what to do. But it's different. Know, you don't because I, it's I different know, for I so know everybody. My sister-in-law had extreme. It's pain different. For, it's different well. for everybody. Um, but the point is, that, so the answer, the answer is not to give people the option of death. What's the it's answer then, to let them suffer? The, the answer is to care for them until the point of natural death. But, but that was done. I don't, it's different. Listen, I, it's, uh, we're not playing who, hey, who had the worst cancer death in their family, but it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. And what works for you, what worked for your sister-in-law, doesn't it work... It can't possibly protect the, the, the vulnerable. If you begin... Um, we know that where euthanasia has been legalised, the incidence of people that have not asked for okay. euthanasia uh, has increased. We know that it's now a it's dangerous law. Interesting, because you're changing the argument slightly. No, no, because I'm not, I'm not changing the law. Well, no, I'm you are a little bit, because you're now, you're now moving on to something it. else. You're now moving on to something else. You're talking about vulnerable people. So you, you've kind of it's almost acknowledged because, that, that well, no, you, you when, haven't got a when, decent if, argument. If, if, if assisted suicide is legalised, what will happen then is that it's not the strong, okay. it's not those that are incredibly autonomous... So you're putting the argument of the suffering to one side. It's actually what... what, uh, what the, the, people, the people that will, that will um, uh, be in difficulty, Ian, are those that um, are, are vulnerable, that are weak, that are alone. Um, those, those are the ones that will find themselves in difficulty as a result of the law. And the law is there protect, to protect the weak, not to protect the strong. And that's absolutely vital. That's what the law does. And, the, and, and our medical professions the are thing. there to look after people, not to kill people. You've, you've, you've moved away from, from those who want it, which is interesting, implying your argument perhaps isn't as strong as you'd like to think it is. Uh, I if I the get, argument's very strong. If I get as ill as my dad got, my mum's got MS. If I get as ill as my mum has got, I've already said this, I'm going. I'm checking out. And why shouldn't that be my right? I don't want to be uh, in a wheelchair. I don't want to be having strangers wiping my backside. I don't want to be able, unable to feed myself. That's so often how people feel before they're actually going through something. But when actually they go through something, the, the spirit of humanity kicks oh in. Oh dear, that's such a naive with... attitude. It's not. I, I go to a home regularly where there are people with severe disabilities. And yet, the spirit of humanity has kicked in for a lot of them. There are also people there that are miserable and are having no life whatsoever. And if that happens to me, Andrea, I'm going. And why shouldn't it be my right to decide when I'm going? Andrea? Oh, Andrea's gone. Andrea? Hello? What happened there? Did some, what happened? Did I, did I say something, Catherine? I'm sure there must be some mistake. I'm surprised that Andrea Williams from Christian Concern put the phone down. That was odd, that was odd wasn't it? That's why I'm thinking there must be... There must be a mistake. Maybe her phone. Let's assume her phone cut out. Yeah, maybe she can anymore. Otherwise that's rude. Christians aren't rude. Hey, smoking in front of kids, that's stupid, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? Everyone would agree with that. Well, not everyone. Uh, this week there was talk of uh, one local council putting up signs in children's playgrounds telling adults not to smoke. Seems obvious to me. One of the next guests agreed. The other one didn't. This was quite good fun. Well, joining me now is Andrea Crossfield, Chief Executive of Tobacco Free Futures, which campaigns to make smoking history for children. 
and also Simon Clark, the director of Smokers' Rights Group Forest. Good morning to both of you. Morning, Good morning, Ian. Uh, Andrea, what do you think about uh, the, the plans like this, young lungs at play? It seems odd to me that you'd even need to have signs up near a playground. Well, it's something that the public really engage with and support. And, you know, the signs are important because um, they, they make uh, interventions like this work really well because they enable members of the public um, to enforce this and make it work. We've um, seen many schemes like this, and they're really popular with the public because in playgrounds, people want to protect children. And, you know, if there are other parents smoking, then people, if there are signs there, will just say to them, well, look, this is a playground, and, you know, we really want this to be a smoke-free place, so would you mind not smoking? This is about protecting children and young people. And, you know, the vast majority of people support this you know, including the vast majority of smokers. Well, let's ask Simon. Simon, you've got to agree that smoking in a playground when there's going to be kids, that's a bad idea, isn't it? Well, I don't know about a bad idea. I mean, I I do take issue when Andrea says we've got to uh, protect kids when they're in the open air. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the open air. We're not talking about a small enclosed space. And so I don't have any great problems with these sort of signs. I just think they're unnecessary because I'd like to see any research that shows how many people do actually sort of light up in a play area. I think you'll find it's a very, very small number. So I think this is more about denormalizing smoking, denormalizing smokers, making smokers feel guilty. I don't think it's got anything whatsoever to do with protecting children because, as I say, we're talking about smoking in the open air. Well, we do know that um, people do smoke sometimes in playgrounds, and, um, and it, it isn't just about second-hand smoke. You know, there is some evidence that smoking outside, um, you know, can harm people, but it's about modelling. Oh, nonsense, and, Andrea. You, know, Look, course, you can't make statements that like that without coming up with any evidence. And, um, you know, this is about modelling smoking. And, you know, young children really love to copy their parents, their grandparents, the other adults around them. And so when young children see people smoking, then they will copy them. And that's why in just, you know, in these areas where children are playing, we don't want to see adult smoking. Uh, We don't want to see cigarette butts. (laughs) Simon, and you come. Simon, and you come. Well, it's just nonsense to say that children copy complete strangers. Yes, I, I, I accept that they copy members of their own family, but they're going to see members of their own family smoking in and around the home anyway. So signs like this are going to make absolutely no difference if you grew up in a household where uh, uh, your parent, your uncle or aunt smoke. This is say it's all designed to yet again make smokers feel guilty. But smokers have every right to smoke in some areas. And the point, I mean, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not encouraging people to smoke in uh, uh, children's play areas. And I say, I come back to this thing, what actual evidence do we have for the number of people who do, in this day and age, light up in a children's play area? I think you'll find it's a very, very small number. And just going back to this business of where people can smoke, my concern is that we start off with having these signs in play areas, then suddenly we'll find that they cover the entire park. Suddenly they'll be on beaches as well. I mean, where is this going to stop? But we do have a right to smoke somewhere. Simon, we do know that secondhand smoking does pose risks to children, don't we? I think you've got to be on the side of caution when smoking in a small enclosed space, like the, the home or a car. But I think most people are aware of that these days. The Royal College of... Let me give you some numbers. The Royal College of Paediatricians and Child Health says 300,000 doctor visits by children every year are caused by second-hand smoking. Well, I do dispute those figures. You dispute the figures from the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health? They're just part of the tobacco control movement. And I'm afraid, sadly, I'm very sceptical about a lot of the figures that are pumped up by by tobacco control. A few years ago, we were told that there were 11,000 deaths of non-smokers every year as a result of passive smoking. There's never been a shred of hard evidence to suggest that the case. But let's go back to this issue. We are talking about smoking in the open air. And I really think we've got to get a grip here and tell people who want to constantly have a go at smokers, look, you know, smoke in the open air, you're not harming anybody else whatsoever. Well, I mean, can I come in here yes, and, please and do, say Andrea. that, um, 
you know, one of the greatest successes we've seen has been the smoke-free legislation, and we've seen a, a really dramatic reduction in the number of heart attacks um, as a result of smoke-free legislation. And we've seen a, a Surgeon General's report um, from the U.S. just last week, um, which has linked secondhand smoke to strokes as well as heart attacks. And, um, you know, it is really important that we don't smoke around children, um, you know, or other adults too, um, in homes or in cars. And, you know, this intervention um, around playgrounds, um, you know, is supported by the public. Um, you know, over 80% of the public do really support Andrea, are we like this. Are we um, victimising you know, smokers, do you think? Sorry? Are we victimising smokers, Andrea? No, I really don't think so. I, you know, I, I, you know, we've done some work around secondhand smoke, and we've we've talked, we've done some community engagement work, um, and you know, over ninety-two percent of people really support um, smoke-free parks and playgrounds. So, you know, this is it, it's absolutely the vast majority of people want to see. Um, local authorities working together, um, you know, as they're doing across Hertfordshire, the county council and the district councils working together, um, engaging together to really tackle the issue of of smoking. And, you know, whether or not you smoke, um, and let's not forget that uh, more than two-thirds of people who smoke really want to quit because, you know, it's something that kills one in two smokers. Can I just make a point? Andrew, you, you know, made lots of points. If 92% of people support smoke-free parks and play areas, and I'm not against smoke-free parks and play areas, but if that number of people support them, it suggests to me that very, very, very few people are actually lighting up in the play area. So why on earth do we need signs? So, listen, we're running out of time. Simon, very quickly, uh, if Labour get into power, they've said they're going to ban smoking in cars with children. What do you think about that? Well, again, I think it's complete and utter nonsense because the vast majority of parents wouldn't dream of lighting a Oh, come on, lots of... I've seen people do it. You've seen people do it, Simon, come on. Very few people these days. And I'm always in favour of education rather than coercion, rather than legislating. They should be punished, shouldn't they? They're smoking in a a car with their kids. How on earth, Ian, would you enforce legislation without actually banning smoking in all cars, irrespective of whether a child's present? And the idea that you might actually end up uh, stopping a, a lone adult in his own car from smoking a cigarette, I think is absolutely not utterly nonsense. For the rest of this podcast, I'm going to introduce each clip with the words, so here's one. Want to hear a political reporter who can also host a music show? So here's one. Ian, sorry to hear about your parents' illness, but please, this is a morning breakfast show with young children listening. If you feel that this intense, this type of intense radio journalism is your style, gosh, wowzers, perhaps you should consider a different time slot. Lighten up, play some happy music, keep it simple. <laughs> wow! Seriously, we don't need this depressing talk so early in the morning. Leave that to JVS, <laughs> says Susie Q in Houghton Regis. Well, hopefully the, the talk about Barnfield yeah. and those new houses has lightened things up. Yeah, a bit of historic... Do you know Batman was filmed in these sheds? Can I say that? That has never sort of lightened the mood. Can you say that? I can say that. I think, well, OK, Susie Q wants some um, kind of uplifting music. I, I feel we ought to do something like that. Uh, well, Take That did uh, their uh, tour rehearsal in one of the... Uh, Cardington Sheds too. Got any? Got any? Take that. You want a bit of take that? Coffee? Well, just if you've got some. I mean, they did it. the um, rehearsals for one of the recent tours. So, for example, I don't. Know. Okay, I tell you what, I'd like you to do, Paul. Let's uh, mm. th- in fantasy world, you would be hosting a music show. <coughs> I've often thought this. So, yeah. this is your chance. We have got take that. Relight okay. my fire. Okay. Uh, we got DJ Paul Scoines. Over to you. Well, it's been some time since we heard this particular gem, but uh, it always. Never fails to ignite my passion when I relight Lulu's fire. What? That was terrible. quite enough of that. I hope that, uh, Susie Q, that's uh, certainly lightened the mood. Certainly lightened my mood, Ian. You are actually flipping good as a, a, a pop... A pop man. <laughs> <laughs> pop man? That doesn't even mean anything. Uh-huh. You never considered doing a little bit... Here's another one. OK, we've got Love is in the Air, John Paul Young. Dedicate it to Susie Q. Go on. Susie. 
Love is in the air when I press your button, this button. That's, to be honest, I mean, that really is... In fact, if anything, that's probably going to garner more complaints. I, th- I think it might do, yeah. Love is in the air Everywhere I look around Love is in the air Every sight and every sound And I don't know if I'm being foolish Don't know if I'm being wise But it's something that I must Well, that was uh, Love is in the Air with... Uh, that was dedicated it's to... It's a good circuit. Love is in the Air there for Susie. And uh, i tell you what else is in the air. Cars for travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There aren't any cars in the air, I'm afraid, but there are quite a few on the speed sensors. Hey, J-Dog. Hey. Do How you doing? I do this? Now? I do a little bit. OK. It's really irritating, mainly because you don't know how to play the ukulele. But this is my time to learn. It's not. OK. This is people's time to mm. kick back, um, light one up, cigar, cigarette. Maybe something a little bit exotic. <laughs> uh, and, and enjoy themselves. It's not time for you to have a okay, music lesson. OK, what if I do this then? So you, you talk and carry on talking. Hey, J-Dog. Hey, how you doing? Uh, OK, I won't use that string. Cause it's don't out. use any strings. Catherine, this Try is your again. ukulele. Can you not converse? This not is mine, my ukulele. She's got possession of her own. It's not even in tune. I know. She play it quite clearly. <sighs> no, go on, do it. I've got a romantic... I'll set this a romantic scene. All right. So. Hey, J-Dog. Hey, boss. How you doing? I'm feeling uh, a little bit fruity. Yeah. What's happening over the weekend, big boy? Well, probably going to uh, loosen... It's not helping at all. Oh, it's just... What, I'll put it away. What are you going to loosen? Your belt. Stead- oh. Steady on, fellow. It's getting a little bit blue, eh? Hey? Mm. Warm enough, it's going to get mucky. Listen, that's enough of us talking rubbish. Why don't mm. we listen to a clip of uh, The Breakfast Crew? They make me say that. Talking <laughs> rubbish. After this. So here's one. <laughs> This is uh, Radio 1 Extra. Good morning, guys. I hope things are groovy in your world. Oh, I've just been outside smoking cigarettes. <laughs> What's the text number? 81333. For 1 Extra. <laughs> <laughs> very, very urban today. Very urban feel about the show today. The sugar babes in Gabrielle. <laughs> <laughs> You sound well, wicked. It sound, yeah. Doesn't it sound wicked? It does, yeah. Hey, listen, you've got yourself excited because we are possibly today, uh, later on in this week, mm. at, the le- at the latest, very special guest coming on. Yes. Andy from CBeebies. Oh, uh, and what about Tony Mortimer? Oh, and Tony Mortimer Yes, as Tony well. Mortimer. Well, I, I heard about that, I got very excited. You like it? E17, great little band. Ah, oh, very underrated. Tony Mortimer, great songwriter. And the reason they're underrated is because the singer is a numpty. Yes, he is. Uh, they, they reformed recently, but without him. Because yeah. He ran himself over in a, his own car. <laughs> How do you do that? Mind you, George Michael, just saying, you know, he's still highly respected. Well, but he, his... cr- he crashed his car. Yeah, yeah. At least he was in the car. Yeah. <laughs> this guy drove his car, but ran himself over. What was his name? Um, uh, Brian, Brian Harvey. Harvey. Brian Harvey. And he famously stormed out of I'm a Celebrity. Was that I'm a Celebrity or Big Brother? He stormed out. Did he? he couldn't take it anymore. He went... He went, really? Yeah, yeah he just suddenly he was there one minute, the next he'd gone. Oh, Poor Brian. Yeah. OK, well, we'll tell you... I have a quick question. Yes. It's for off air, but I'm going to ask it on air. Uh, we've got a Beatles band coming in on Friday. Can they do Thursday instead because they can't get the time off work? No. Hang on a minute. Are we still dressing up? Because that could make things difficult. I've got things uh, on order. I can't yeah. dress up Thursday. Let's dress up Friday. Right, to celebrate the to one celebrate day since the Beatles came in. Yes. The, the, the one day... We call the shots round here, not the bands. Well, hang on, it's the Beatles, mate. I've got a lovely handlebar tash going on. I know, I know. <laughs> I wanted to have a word with you about yeah. that. You can get cream. Oh. Um, yeah, OK, well, I guess, I guess they can't get time off work. Yeah. Rock and roll! They're the Beatles. <laughs> they can do anything. They can come in on a Thursday, of course. Brilliant. I'll let, I'll let them know. Please do. Now, well, Catherine, you found a little something we might be able to send Justin yeah. out on. It says, and this is according to the Times, if you want to read along, 17, page 17, not mm-hmm. E17. It appears the parents have conceded defeat in the battle to enforce manners at dinner time, where once we tried to drum into our children, as was drummed into us, the importance of elbows off the table. Elbows off the table. Don't talk with your mouth full, and especially only Americans eat with one hand. I've been doing that one this week. Uh, 
Um, now the white napkin has been run up and anything goes for the sake of a perfect meal. Um, a new guide to modern mealtime etiquette drawn up after seeking the opinion of 10,000 British parents and children say that the relaxation of dining rules will be welcomed by 94% of people who are fed up of arguments. And, mm. and in English... People haven't got any manners anymore. Well, food for thought. This is what they're saying. This is a survey by Goodfellas. Yes, the pizza pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Not super nanny. Not super nanny. Those Chicago town pizza guys are furious. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that one, guys? One, you should try anything new once, and then if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it anymore. I think that's... Uh, no, I don't believe that. Talking about pizzas, do you still sit <laughs> well, and have your pizzas in your uh, underpants? Yes. Well, where's your manners then? Well, no, but I only do that on my own oh, or right. with uh, my wife. I wouldn't okay. do that in front of the children. Yeah. Number two, hold your knife and fork however you feel most comfortable. Really? No, no, no. Yes. no. It's yes, fine to eat with your hands. No. It's yes. pizza. Hmm? This is good, fellas. It's okay to get messy. <laughs> yes. It's fine to have the TV on in the background as long yes. as anyone is, everyone's enjoying their time together. No. Listen, these are the rules. Don't have right? to be excused. Wait until everyone's finished and enjoy each other's company rather than rushing off to your room. These are the rules. These are the rules, right? We don't eat in the same room as the television. I do, but when the kids are in bed, but I'm 40, yeah. right, and I've paid for that television. We sit at the table, we all sit together, phones are turned off, you use cutlery, you do, don't uh, put your elbows on the... You don't put your feet on the table, and really, <laughs> you stop climbing on the table. Yeah, That's the thing the, at the moment. They climb on the table during dinner. We've had the knees under the table. <laughs> this is my wife! <laughs> <laughs> but the knife and fork thing is hard to bring in when you've sort of taught them on the baby-led weaning thing where they've had a bit of your plate and a bit of Dad's plate yeah. and all this kind of stuff going on. And it oh. is hard to bring in, but it's worth bearing with, isn't it? You can take them anywhere. Supper last night, my youngest had uh, meatballs, uh, grated carrot, um, some pasta with some tomato sauce and broccoli. Do you know what I'm hearing? Mm. Orange stainage. Well, forget that. He had a glass of water. He put all the food in the water. Ah, uh, yeah. And then he and then I took it away and said, no, Daddy, I want to drink. Uh. I said, you disgust me. <laughs> you disgust me. Go <laughs> to your room. He's only two, but you've got to teach them. Mm. Justin. No, they should be able to play with their food and have fun with dinner. What, so, Definitely. What, so that means I can't take them to a fancy restaurant. I can't take them to the Ivy or something. Yeah. <laughs> the but Ivy. When they're two. <laughs> so shabby. No, no, no. Listen, when they're, two, they're old enough to know. They're old enough to know better. And also, if my boys start running around in a restaurant, this is serious. They start running around in a restaurant. They've got three chances. Come and sit down. Come and sit down. Right. We're out. We're, yeah, yeah, we're out. We're that happened to me last night. I was in a restaurant, screaming kids, no. running around. Guys, it's not the Olympics. Just sit your kids down and eat. Okay. Justin, do you ever eat at home? Uh, yes, of course I do. Yeah, only when his mum cooks. Yeah, yeah. I know when Maz is cooking. I yeah. think the central to this is the dining room table, and it's a right. shame not many people have them these days. Could you go and find out, uh, Justin, about um, etiquette at the dining room table? Do people mm. still follow manners, things like that? Absolutely. Got got a, a, a few birthday requests as well that have come in. Sorry, uh, birthday requests. No, we don't do those. Oh, no. I was in the newsroom, Jenny and what? for 36 years what? old today. Lots of love from what? Paul and the kids. What is that? Uh, Lenny and Dunstable, 41 tomorrow. What is this? Uh, he can't listen tomorrow, so can we say hi today? Lots no. of love from Tina and the crew. Play, play the nun. No, for goodness sakes. Justin, g- g- so, they, they said I'm if you didn't do it, they were going to go to Ken Bruce. Oh, for goodness sakes. They can go to Ken Bruce. Is it too cold to get your woody out? Um, <laughs> no, I think it's going to be OK. OK. <laughs> Justin, you're Ian. a sensible man. Yes, very sensible. Uh, you, uh, I look up to you. I respect mm. you as a human being. I mm. think your show, Saturday mornings, mm. 9 till 12, is Cracking. Mm. Never personally listened to it, but I've I've really heard mm. lots of good feedback and comps. Feelings mutual about your Saturday show as well. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, what? <laughs> but this week, you, I blew your mind. You did. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. I'd never seen it before. In front of me, you did it. And, wow. Uh, I tell you, even now, I'm... T- no, no. You're not going to do it again, are you? I'll tell you what, let's have a listen to uh, how your mind was blown. Yeah. And then when we come back, I'll do it again. You're going to show me how it's done this time? I will show you how it's done. Uh, so here's one. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Stephen. What have you got Good. for me? You're confused, aren't you, about the magic? Well, I've, wor- I've worked it out. In the moment of necessity, I've worked out how to do fly away Peter, fly away Paul. J- Catherine genuinely can't work it out. OK, look. No one's ever done that trick do on me. Do you know this, Justin? What, what are you doing here? Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. One named Peter, one named Paul. Mm-hmm. Fly away Peter. Oh. Uh... Fly away Paul. Come back, Peter. Yeah. Come back, Paul. I'm doing that when I go home. 
I don't get it. What's going on? <laughs> Tis witchcraft. Exactly. You've got two things on your fingers that make no sense at all. What's going on? You just waved your fingers and said something stupid. <laughs> I don't get it. He's not even got it on the being amazed level. He just doesn't get it on the things that are being said level. That's like saying, do you know what? I- I'm touching my scarf. I'm touching my scarf. It doesn't make sense, does what? it? Can you clip that for me, please? <laughs> well, it's, a, it's for kids. Yeah. So imagine you're a kid. Put yourself in the mind of a, ki- a kid. Yeah. Okay, that was great. Okay. Right. right, so okay. I've got two fingers here. Yes, I can see them. Bits of paper on. Right. Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. Right. One named Peter. Yeah. One named Paul. But they're not dicky birds. They're bits of paper. Pretend they are, Justin. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Talk about dicky birds, right? <laughs> Two little dicky birds. Yes. Sitting on a wall. Yeah. One named Peter. Yep. One named Paul. Right. Fly away, Peter. Oh. Fly away, Paul. Ah. Come back, Peter. Come back, Paul. Wow. I see what you've done now. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> Oh, that's that's the hot. Forget everything else. Yeah. I just want that little bit to be the podcast. Can this we week, check please. this out on the streets? Can we try this on the streets about tarts and bugs? Stephen, I've worked out how to do it now. How do you do it then? Well, <laughs> you can't tell me because you can't tell me because it's magic. I can't. Do you know how to do it? Don't you, Steve? Yes. Okay. Don't tell Justin. But that this was incredible. Sarah, no, seriously. I get it now. I get it now. I wonder what you're saying for a second. I get it now. Okay, but you, you know, yeah. but you, do you get how the birds disappeared? You, no. That's, that's the magic, isn't it? I don't want to know the magic. Steve, uh, thank you very much indeed. Well, wow, I've blown yours and Catherine's mind today. One of you I thought was relatively intelligent, yeah, but the mine's other is my back, producer. Because I watched more. Oh, thanks. I watched more closely at that time. Magic's Kelly, gone. last five minutes, podcast, please. Uh, the last five minutes that have just happened on radio? That's correct, yeah. I don't even think they were worth being on air. <laughs> <laughs> While you put the bits of paper on your hand, I'm going to play everyone a song. OK. Well, I wouldn't bother. This is what I like And to they're on! <laughs> right. So this is what happens. Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. Mm. One called Peter, one called Paul. Yeah. Justin's face. Fly away, yeah. Peter. Fly away, Paul. I don't get this. Come back, Peter. Come back, Paul. That is incredible. You Seriously, genuinely don't, I don't get, get it. it. Do you? <laughs> I don't get it. Are you keeping your eyes on the fingers? I am because his fingers aren't going behind his head. I told him. I told him in, uh, in the prisoners the other day. The way I was doing it was I would put one finger behind my head and stick the bit of paper there, <laughs> and then I'd go, the other, and then I'd go and collect the paper. But I didn't. Oh. That was that was nonsense. That is a great party trick for the weekend. Please, please, can you show me how to do it? Please, again. please, no, come I'm on. Not, no, listen. Come on, never please. Repeat the same trick in front of an audience uh, as stupid as Justin more than five I'm, times. I'm Hey, who wants to hear a caller tell me I'm boring? Me. So here's one. Keisha's back. Morning, Keisha. It's not Keisha. Ian. It's Kasha. Kasha? Yes. Well, well, it says Keisha on my screen, so can I call you Keisha? Not really. Well, It's like calling me, um, anyway. Well, it's like calling um, you what? It doesn't matter. Well, it it does a little bit because, no, no, it does a little bit. Sorry? I want to complain. About what? About you, you're so boring lately. You're not so, funny. Sorry? All you do is moan. Huh? You're not prepared for the show. All you're saying is, oh, I don't know what we meant to talk about today. Oh, uh, uh, um, let's, um, let's... Well, I know, what what maybe... I know what we're meant to talk about today. We're meant to talk about the fact that uh, apparently there are shortages of kidneys for black people. Turns out that's not the story. Yeah, but if you don't talk about death... Yeah. ...the other day, you talk about kidneys... Kidneys. Have something fun. Ke- Kelly is so funny. Put Kelly on. Sorry. Yeah, she's prepared. Mum. All right, you've you've all right, Keisha. You, you've asked for this. Oh, Keisha. <laughs> you've asked for this, Keisha. <laughs> Kelly's on. Just watch the radio die. It's not. Listen, December was great. When I listened to it, I, I was looking for it in the morning. I thought, yeah, let me get to the car, put on um, BBC Three. Counties now radio. I'm in the car, and I'm thinking, oh God, I'm gonna have to swap it to Magic again because Ian is so boring. All right, okay, this is a serious complaint. This is a serious complaint. That is, Wh- and last time All I right. was on the radio, Button it for a second. You, you, you stopped talking to me, and I was talking to some random guy. I have no idea. I didn't even know. I have, about. N- I have no idea what that was referring to, uh, Keisha. I don't I know, th- and I know you know, and I Kelly knows. Don't, I, I have no idea what you're talking I about. I complained after that. I complained to her as well, and none of okay. my complaints seems to work. No, uh, boring. Yeah. So, what could, should we be doing then to make the show more fun? The, the, the fun it, ha- it was in December. Oh, I don't know. I'm. I don't. 
Have you got ah. the contract signed yet? Ah, not yet, no. That's... Uh, there you go, so they won't sign it. Well, carry on. The well, I've got, we have a verbal agreement. It's like nothing. Oh. It's like calling me Keisha. Well, Keisha, what do you think? Keisha. Keisha. It's, um, I could murder a quiche right now. I'd probably murder a quiche as well. Uh, bacon and milk. Bacon and milk? Bacon and leek, quiche. Bacon and lilt? Leek. Ba- bacon and lint? <laughs> that is so racist. <laughs> Keisha, listen, it's easy to phone up and say the show's rubbish. Lots of people do it every single day. But what I expect from you, Keisha, is a suggestion on how we can unrubbish the show, how we can make it darn good again. Just put Kelly on. Kelly. Oh, my God, you've done it again. <laughs> Did you do it again, Ian? Oh my God, I'm so going to complain about this. That content is not going to roll. I'm being rescued, abused. I'm dropping the phone. Hello? Oh my God, I'm dropping the phone. Catherine, you can do the next bit. What it's is it? uh, Serena. Well, nice to do the news. We used to get top bants, isn't that right? Yeah! That's top banter for everyone who speaks English. Um, unfortunately, not everyone is up to snuff. So we made her, didn't we? Well, we tried. So we had a good good crack with Serena Farrow uh, making her do some banter. It didn't work. I even wrote it out for her. So here's one. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, Serena. Morning. Should oh, we... what's my name, sorry? What is it? Yeah, exactly. What, who are you? Yeah, I just, sometimes I do wonder. Uh, shall we? Do you, do you want to have some um, unscripted banter now, or do you want some unscripted banter later on? <sighs> Let's get it out of the way. Um, you, you, what, are you, oh, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> oh, no. You can't. That's so inane to start off, isn't it? It's unscripted banter. Is it? All right. Okay, I've got some. Uh, what did you get up to last night? Oh my life! On a school oh, night. It's unscripted banter. All right. Um, you, you throw some at me then. Okay then. Uh, what's the most exciting thing that's happened to you this week? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish we'd scripted that, that <laughs> banter. What the most exciting? Thing, oh, I, ah, the most exciting thing that happened to me is um, Lee Ryan from Blue thought he knew me and gave me a hug. Well, who did he think you were then? Well, I got no idea. He gave me a hug and said, "All right, bruv." Maybe he thought I was his brother. Brother. Let me try some. Yeah. Okay, right. I've got some unscripted banter. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to do with the news team. Uh. What's, what is your name? <laughs> exactly. You, you, you know, you've got to get that right Serena. first. Let's have a start. Oh, your point. name's Serena? Yeah, thanks. That's what I said. What did you... <laughs> what's the most exciting thing uh, you've ever done? Oh, come on! Sure, all right, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get the team to write a script and we'll do this at half past six, yeah? All right, then. Nice one. <laughs> BBC Three Counties Radio. More from me at seven. Okie dokie. Right, uh, hang on a sec. So we just had, uh, at six o'clock, we tried some unscripted banter. Yep. It would help, though, you know, if I can find someone to do that as well, but never that was, mind. That was good, Serena. Thanks. Oh, yeah, here we go. I'm looking at my script. Oh, I don't know. I think I can do better. Really? How on earth could you top such a quality bulletin? Well, I can do accents, apparently. Other than this one, which I think is supposed to be Yorkshire. How about if I do the weather in, let's say, Dutch? Oh, I suspect that might be inappropriate and a little offensive. Go on, then. Super. And then, apparently, I read the weather, but I've actually got the script, so if I think... I'll just look out the window. It's uh, a little bit rainy. Actually, I don't know, because I used to go... It's a little bit rainy. Well, I used to... That sounds a bit like Morecambe and Wise or whatever. I used to go out with a Dutch guy, actually. And all he, used to, he used to say doppelganger she's... all the time. Catherine, uh, Catherine, I'm lost. She's, she's gone off script. <laughs> she's freestyling. What? This, she, I didn't write this. She's workshopping it, and I was told this would be a scripted Hang piece. Hang on, I know the girl. It's because it's... Doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop. Yep. So it's, like, it's going to be your rainy... Yeah, with a little bit of wind thrown in. That's the Swedish chef, I think. Yeah, this, you, okay. this is... Right, can we do this, this one again at seven? Because I think there's potential in this, but just... Temperatures of eight degrees. So it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've, um, I tell you what, we'll do it again, and yeah. if you could stick to the script... OK. Should we get Jane back? <laughs> do you mind? Jane could do um, the Queen. I've heard it. 
Oh, now it. Oh, now it's turned into a talent contest, is it? We're going from reading news to talent contest. I mean, you know, it's not Britain's Got Factory or whatever it's called. Britain's Got Talent, even. <laughs> yeah. Shall we move on? <laughs> Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. That was good, Serena. Thanks. No. Oh, we're doing the banter thing again? We're going to do the script. Script, yeah. Because you muffed it up last time. It feels like you muffed it up this time. I did. I muffed it up, did I? That was good, Serena. I haven't got the script in oh, front of me, though. Have I? Man. I mean, I could try an ad lib, but then no, you don't like it. Well, no, we, d- we tried the unscripted banter. That didn't work. We're, we're trying this, this is the, the second attempt at the scripted banter. Do you, you know what? This wasn't in my job description. Do you think I should go back? That was good, Serena. Thanks. Not are, we, are we still on? I thought you were being genuine. I thought, you know what I mean? I don't know when you've been genuine or not. It's a bit difficult, this game. That was good, Serena. Thanks, Ian. Oh, right, get try, the... and, try and beat it. No, there g- you go. Oh, try and beat that. <laughs> DBC Three Counties Radio. More from me, thankfully, at eight. That was good, Serena. Thanks. Oh, what is your problem? <laughs> do you see, even, do you get, the, have you actually feeling this, right? Do you get the hint that even the no. weather chick, not weather, travel chick... Yeah, she doesn't rock up because she's what? had enough of you. Travel chick rocking up? What is this, 1976? Yeah, no. She did. She wasn't there, was she? You went to her and she's... Nah, I've had enough. Right. Sorry, Listen. she's packed her bag. She's off, Right, mate. come on, sleepy eyes. Just, just, just focus, all right? But the, the way... I've been listening to a lot of radio yeah. recently and what happens is... You never learn much, though, have you? Do you know what I mean? You're still on that steep learning curve. What, it would appear. What happens is uh, the news presenter yeah. and the uh, main... Would that be me? Well, not for much longer. Right. Where's, where's Jane? And yeah. uh, the news presenter, and then the, the breakfast host. Breakfast host. <sighs> is that your title, is what? it? Is that what you use on your CV? They Stretching have, it a bit far, isn't it? They have a little Poetic bit... licence. They have a little bit of, of, of unscripted banter. Now, yeah, yeah. the unscripted banter didn't work. OK. So the, well, <laughs> I mean, you are on the end of it. The team... I'm, I mean, I'm just going to plough through this. Do you think the BBC have... I know we have classes, don't we, in all sorts, you know, master classes. Do they have classes in you shutting up? Do they have classes in bantering for presenters? Catherine Boyle, the producer, has written a really good, powerful script, a little playlet, a little lartsy. Yeah, go on. Uh, you, you, have you not got the script in front of you? Well, I've got... No. Right. Right. This... For old eight, pieces of paper. For here. eight o'clock, have the. I like trees. I don't like to, you know, print too much. What out. on earth are you rambling on about, well, you lunatic? Ne- for eight o'clock, have the script in front of you, okay? God, um, okay. Well, another tree gone down the Swanee, hasn't it? <laughs> the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk/slash-three-counties. That was good, Serena. Oh, we have to do this again, don't we? Okay. Oh, I don't know. I think I can do better. Really? How on earth could you top such a quality bulletin? Well, I can do accents, apparently. Other than this one, which I think is supposed to be Yorkshire, how about if I do the weather in, let's say, Dutch? Well, I suspect that might be inappropriate and a little offensive, but go on then. Super. And this is where I read the weather. We start the day brightly. No, that's Irish, isn't it, Ma? We got the windy doppelganger, yeah, temperatures, 8 degrees. Does that sound a bit Duchess? <laughs> and finally, Andy Marie will play the opening game of Britain's Davis Cup. He'll take on Donald Young, and do you know, though, that that tournament's being played inside a baseball stadium? Ian Lee. What? Did you know that? What? Being played inside a baseball I've, I'm stadium. I'm typing um, an update on Facebook. What, what are you talking about? Andy Murray. Tennis. Tennis normally played on courts, isn't it? I haven't got a script for this. Hang on. Doesn't matter. Anyway, that's it from me, BBC Three Counties Radio. You'll be hearing more at nine. I was just, you know, it's a bit of general knowledge, isn't it? It's a tidbit for you. Very, very dangerous to throw to me whilst um, you're doing the news because the assumption yeah. is I'm listening. And I'm, I'm not, you never listen to I'm, me. I'm, I'm posting a, a, a status update on uh, a, a music page I run on, on Facebook about how I'm going to be in the States in March and uh, I want to f- interview people about the, the monkeys. So um, There's a slight connection. This is talking about America. Baseball stadium. That was good. You're in the state. Do you see what I'm saying? That was good, Serena. Not bad. Not bad there. Thanks. I like your link. It's seamless. Really? How on earth could you top such a quality bulletin? (laughs) We're not doing that again. Oh, I suspect that might be inappropriate (laughs) and a little offensive. Go on then. We look. 
I'm sure people have heard that script a bit too long now, too many times. And my Dutch accent, it's not getting any better, unfortunately. <laughs> Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. One called Peter, one called Paul. Fly away, Peter, fly away, Paul. Come back, Peter, it fell off. Come back, ah! Paul. <laughs> Paul's there. Yeah, that wasn't as good. That didn't blow my mind. <laughs> Stitch yourself up there, didn't you? Two little dicky birds yeah. sitting on a wall. One called Peter, one called Paul. Oh, he fell off again. <laughs> I do it this way. Fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. Come back, Peter. Come back, Paul. How do you do that? <laughs> I was oh doing so much. There was only one finger there to keep an eye on. <laughs> I don't get it. I need to film this. Uh, right, that's it. That's your lot. I'm going to continue uh, blowing Justin Dealey's mind with tricks that even a four-year-old could work out. Uh, there's a weekly podcast. You can listen to it now. Uh, you can send me an email. Ian at bbc.co.uk the show's on every morning 6 till 9 Justin does a show Saturday mornings uh, when is it 9 till 12, 12 yep. Kelly you produce BBC introducing with Gary Floyd I have a show on Soundcloud as well soundcloud.com oh. forward slash Kelly Ben oh that's exciting and Catherine how's things uh, a bit slow thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio your local radio station for beds hearts and bucks on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 